Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the landscape, the missions landscape post-COVID. Enjoy the episode, and thanks for joining us. Well, hello, friends. Hey, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Uh, Welcome you to the latest episode of Missions Talk, and uh, I'm here again, of course, with my friend and co-host, Steve Shermer. Steve, um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's uh, good. It's a very nice day outside. Well, minus the heat and the humidity. It's nice. That's right. It's sunny. <laughs> That's great. And I, those of you in South Carolina, you'll be, uh, you're probably looking forward to kind of turning the corner into the fall. And because uh, actually fall can be quite nice there, can it? You know, growing up in Texas, we had two seasons. Hot and cold was not that often. But uh, here we've got the four seasons. So mm. uh, not every fall is that great. I think last fall was just a little bit so-so in terms of the, the fall foliage. So I'm, I'm hoping this year it'll be really nice, especially with uh, the mountains not far. It gets really nice up there. Oh, great. The fall with all the colors. So, yeah, we're so ready. It's, it's too humid, and it's, you know, heat index is triple digits right now. So I'm ready, I'm ready for the summer to be over. All right. So now for now, you're in your kind of your indoor season and then you're looking forward to be able to get out and about in the fall. <laughs> yeah, it's just not pleasant to sit on the patio right now. It's that's right. It's like I'm hot and sweaty and that's no fun. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, I'm ready for the fall. <laughs> that's great. Well, good. Well, uh, Steve, I'm excited about this uh, latest episode of Missions Talk. You know, we are now in a... Um, Actually, it's interesting. I was going to say we're in a post-COVID uh, era, but we really are. It's just a different era, right? I mean, it's sort of we're not doing the same quarantine type things. But, you know, you just mentioned um, hearing about a hospital in Tampa that's, you know, all their beds are full uh, with, you know, people that are, you know, that have COVID. And so it's kind of a it's a different COVID season, but certainly as we talk about missions, which we like to do here on our show, you know, we did want to talk about kind of missions post COVID and maybe we should say missions post the initial, you know, uh, uh, you know, era of, of COVID. And so really what we want to talk about is kind of missions kind of in this next year or two and what that's going to look like. And because we do have, you know, still a great commission that we're called to to uh, fulfill. Uh, and yet, uh, for those of us like you and I that were used to, you know, pre-COVID, uh, traveling three or four or five times a year overseas and, you know, kind of getting projects started and overseeing different things, different projects, you know, that is all just going to change tremendously, isn't it? And so, uh, um, so we're going to talk about some of these challenges and I mean, Steve, I think you'd agree that we definitely have some challenges going forward in our uh, uh, in missions, don't we? 
Yeah, you know, I would I would say that kind of the way I'm looking at this is I think our biggest challenge is just adjusting. You know, that's right. Uh, A we, lot of adjusting. All, yeah, we all agree that the Great Commission, our engagement doesn't need to end. Uh, we need that's to keep right. pressing in and pressing forward. But how we do it, you know, I, I'm at a point where I strongly believe that if we're just waiting for this stuff to end so we can get back to business as usual, then we are missing a prime opportunity to to take this moment to assess, to reassess how our engagement mm. is, what adjustments we need to make, and you know what we need to do moving forward. Rather, I don't think we need to go back to business as usual. That's I, right. I, I really don't. I think this needed to. I think we need to look at this as a. Um, it's not really a wake up call, but more of okay. moving forward kind in the future. We need to be more yeah, strategic reset. than we've been. Yeah. That's right. I would agree. There, there will be no back to normal. For I, I totally agree. And, and that's okay. You are, yeah. And you will be need. There will need to be some kind of a reset. And actually, I do agree with you too. That you know, as we're kind of looking forward and saying, okay, Lord, what is it exactly? How should we, as you know, Westerners, be involved? Um, there will be a lot of. Changes, and I actually think, and I would agree with you that these changes are not bad. In fact, they are good. Uh, we we should have done something like this, you know, some time ago. And some of the things that we'll be talking about in today's episode, uh, because um, you know, we, the Westerners in general, were too, um, I don't want to say in charge, uh, but had kind of an upper hand for sure. And um, the nationals that we serve with look to us, you know, um, too much for, uh, resources and where now they're going to have to do, you know, some of this themselves. And so for people like you and I, and many of the people listening and watching today, Steve, I think the first challenge that we have and the first reset that we need to do is that, you know, we're just going to be saw a lot of restrictions, mm -hmm. uh, getting into a lot of these countries, right? I mean, nationals will have to do way more of the work. And they're going to have to trust God to be used without Western help. And, you know, and partially just because we're not going to be able to get there. You know, you and I were just talking uh, before we started. I didn't even know that, you, that, you know, you and I like to fly on United Airlines. Uh, but I'm assuming it's the same for the other airlines that tra that do international flights. You know, right now, we could not, literally, we could not get on a plane and go to China. Uh, one of the places that where we both have spent a lot of time and, um, you know, their borders are closed. And even uh, I looked up. So where I live in Denver, there has been a nonstop flight to Tokyo. Now, we, I can go to Tokyo, but at uh, $2,400, mm. um, you know, I mean, that before COVID, that was maybe a thousand dollar flight, you know. Um, and if you could get a good deal, it'd probably be less than that. You know, I mean, I've mm -hmm. traveled to China for 750 at different times of the year. And so that last really ticket is, to China was 550 round trip. Oh, see, so, um, you know, a, there's going to be restrictions. And even as that begins to reopen, mm -hmm. uh, it's just going to cost a lot more, isn't it? So yeah. that really is a restriction, isn't it? Yeah. Summer, when I went to the middle East, uh, it was where I went. It was the first time I went, but the people, one of the guys traveling with me had been there before and the ticket prices were already double, uh, what they were pre COVID. And, wow. you know, like many countries, you have to do a COVID test, PCR COVID test before you go. 
uh, and that's can be expensive depending on the you know the the time frame you want it returned back to you. Mine was two hundred dollars, and then we had to do a COVID test coming back. You know, came okay. back. Okay. Now those who were unvaccinated had to do a COVID test on arrival, not just before you go, but before you go and the moment you stepped off the plane. There was a whole uh, whole line of kiosk of um, people doing COVID tests and you were required to take it if you were unvaccinated or couldn't prove your vaccination status. And wow. then when you went to tourist sites, you had to do another COVID test if the other one wasn't done within a certain time frame. Wow. And so some people were doing four or more COVID tests on their trip. And if you've never had one, it's like having your brain examined with a Q-tip. And, right. um, but you know, it's, it's just the requirement, the country, I mean, I've always taken insurance when I go, but this country required proof of insurance, um, before, and we not only had to show it on arrival, we had to show it at our connecting airport in Vienna, um, before we even boarded the plane, we had to show proof of insurance. Okay. So, you know, there's, it's, it's a little bit more hassle. Some places are more restrictive than others where I went, wasn't even that restrictive. I don't think, but, um, you know, some places have quarantine. So it, you know, all this is impacting whether people even want to go. There's a lot we can talk about in this area, but, um, because I think you and I both have heard of a lot of these stories. Oh, yeah. So, uh, the, the discipleship pastor at my church, his daughter and his and her wife um, felt like God was leading them to plant a church in Chile. And, you know, they've had to redo all of that. They're now mm -hmm. in Knoxville, Tennessee for a time and working with some other people. And, like, they just can't go to Chile right now. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that. And so between just the restrictions and it costing more, it's really going to affect sort of short-term missions as well, right? I mean, this whole oh, yeah. model that we've developed of, you know, eight people from your church going to a place, serving for 10 days. Uh, I mean, A, that's going to be severely restricted because you may not even be able to go there. And B, if you do go there, and like you mentioned, you're COVID tested every two days. People just may be, may be like, you know, that's probably just not worth it right now. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly going to change. And then secondly, and maybe that's what I'd be interested to hear from you about, Steve, is, you know, um, since in your ministry, you're, you're serving with a lot of nationals in places, um, you know, they're going to have to trust God to be used in ways without Western help, aren't they? Yeah, you know, on, on the first part of your what you were talking about with the short term is definitely impacting those. As I was told mm -hmm. you before we recorded, the number one question I get now, usually I would say pre-COVID, the number one question I might get is either centered around money or safety. Okay. Now it's centered around, well, what happens if they close the borders? What happens if, um, you know, with my plane ticket that I'm on? Well, as I, Again, before we start recording, it's kind of like playing the lottery in some respect. You're right. buying a ticket on faith, which I know is not gambling, but you're buying it on faith. <laughs> that's where God wants you to go. If something happens, we have to have faith that there's a reason it happened the way it did. And we got to, you know, just regroup and move forward. Airlines, at least some are being a bit more generous with credits, at least, you know, being able to mm -hmm. get a full credit for a future purpose, uh, purchase, which is... No, not bad for me because I'll I'll use it. 
That's but right. Me too. It is. It's, it's the reality we live in and we're accepted or we don't. We can't complain about it. I mean, we can complain, I guess, but it's just reality. <laughs> we shouldn't complain and about it. <laughs> we just got to accept it for the time being. Businesses can choose how they want to do things, but they have no control over what the countries That's um, right. are dictating. And and when it's not our country, I, I honestly don't feel like we have a right to complain. Uh, we've got to walk in. We've got to accept what they're saying because we're the guest. And if we don't like it, then we just don't go. There's no reason to go that's, and complain about it. Just that's don't right. Go. And, and with short term, by the way, Steve, you think about a businessman taking a week off from work <laughs> to, uh, to serve in a place. And then all of a sudden he's two months in this place because the border's closed and <laughs> or I they mean, tested positive before that's the other factor what if you test positive while you're there you're not getting right. on the and plane and you're going to be stuck and it's it's a risk it is a it's total right. risk on your part to decide that's what right. you're willing to do and um, yeah someone will then make that risk assessment and go eh, not quite yet we're not ready to do that right so yeah definitely and regarding the nationals you know, that's a whole nother uh, conversation right there. You know, I yeah, we can. I know our friend J David Joannes has, you know, over the last, even before COVID was really, mm -hmm. uh, there was an uptick in his rhetoric in terms of we need to do more with nationals. And I agree with him. I think if this didn't teach us, if it te taught us one thing, it taught us we need to do more collaboration with nationals. Um, mm -hmm. We need to be creative in how we work with them. And yeah, we need to send foreign missionaries. And that's always going to be something that's going to be part of the Great Commission. But we that's can't right. be just focused on some our home country that we forget that God has over 13 million national workers around the world. You know, these are not just Christians, but people who have given of their lives to serve in a that's uh, right. ministry vocational sense. And not just... Um, overseas, or you know, that includes people in the U.S., but the vast majority are going to be overseas from us. Mm -hmm. And I think when you when you ask that question at the end about national, the example that came to mind was China. So just uh, without being specific on region, and COVID wasn't the only factor, but I think it was probably one of the bigger ones. You know, there's a lot of expatriates not there anymore who are believers and who were serving in that country and they were serving alongside locals and nationals and when they left i heard story after story of nationals feeling um lost in the ministry because they didn't have their expatriates there to lead them which plays oh. into something you said you know because we really need the nationals leading on the ground you know where they exist Right. Um, not the Westerners, not the outsiders, because when we leave, and I think this is a great example, it's going to happen and it will happen again in the future, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's school, whether it's, um, you know, something else, yeah, a natural yeah. disaster. We're going to be forced to leave at times. And I think that's going to increase in the future. We need to really be mm. empowering people on the ground. I say nationals and near nationals. So even those in bordering countries have greater access than we do. And, um, and That's so we right. need to really be empowering them to lead and to lead us and to really, uh, so that when we're not there, the ministry keeps ticking forward. And, That's right. 
and and there's there's little that's exactly right um the hiccups are the 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 parts of the ministry that close instead of the whole thing closing it just hit, gets hindered for a moment as as the people who are still there get to regroup but yeah i, I think that's, that's right. a big thing right now and i think we really need to be looking even deeper at that i'm concerned that some organizations are not i really am they just they're so focused on sending people in their home country and it's all about their home country and the the rhetoric is all about the foreign numbers rather than really looking at the Christian workers, the whole numbers, the whole picture. And it's that's right. It's really concerning now. And I'd admit concern years ago, I was in that camp, but the more I became aware of it, the more I was educated in that, I'm at a point where I am concerned by that, that rhetoric. But I know there's some organizations like ABWE, um, like the Missions Podcast people that we know, um, mm-hmm. you know, their organization works very closely with nationals, I think they have strong relationships with nationals from what I understand. So there are a few out there who are doing it, but there are definitely uh, many who are not. Uh, Not at the level, I think, that is going to keep ministry sustainable. That's right. And so, Steve, I would say um, I would agree with everything you've said and would add that I think, you know, when we talked initially about there being a number of resets, uh, this will be potentially the biggest, uh, if not one of the biggest, Mm -hmm. right, that, uh, you know, um, you know, I mean, the missionary, the missionary attitude should always be, uh, I'm coming into this place to really, tr- to reach some nationals, uh, disciple them and give the ministry away to them. Right. In other words, I'm, I'm looking for the day. I'm looking forward to the day when I can work myself out of a job and go on to something else. Right. And so just what you've said about these Chinese dear brothers and sisters feeling lost, there was a piece of what the nationals did or the 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 missionaries did that was missed, I would say. Right. That you you need to be looking towards, you know, working yourself out of a job and having them become self-sufficient because every day of the week, those people, those nationals will always be better at reaching that country for Christ than we will ever be. Uh, and I learned that super quickly, right? That man, I can learn the Chinese language. I mean, for me, it was China, right? I can learn the Chinese. I can, you know, get a degree in Asian studies. I can, you know, learn Chinese history. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, memorize the, you know, the, you know, imperial kingdoms by order. And uh, but it doesn't. I'll just never be Chinese. I'll never, you know, be as effective. And uh, because when a Chinese then is reaching Chinese. There's just so much shared hmm. experience, shared culture, shared everything. And so, um, so yeah, that uh, hopefully will continue. I mean, because at the end of the day, the other thing I was thinking, Steve, about when you were talking is that some organizations are not, you know, doing this very well. Well, I mean, if COVID continues in the way that it's continuing, um, they're going to be forced <laughs> to do that, right? Because... Right now, none of them can go there, and none of them can go to Indonesia and a lot of other places. And so, if the if they have a heart to reach that place, that country, they're gonna have to find other other ways to do it. Right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, and so that brings us to our second point, which is you know that I do think that we just need to have a um, higher focus on maybe technology and other, other ways to be able to train nationals to do the work themselves. Steve, I've seen on, you know, some of the 
uh, Facebook stuff you've posted. I know Gandhi has done this and others where, you know, they're using Zoom, they're meeting together. I mean, actually what we're finding is, uh, I mean, a lot of us are getting tired of Zoom, but mm-hmm. uh, Zoom and Skype can be just a very, it's not exactly the same as being face-to-face with people, but it's its right next to that, right? It's not far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, training that you, uh, via Zoom and other tools isn't there. Absolutely. And there's there's definitely no substitute for in-person. I, I would agree right. with that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think moving forward, there's too much that has changed in the last year and a half. And I, I just don't think, again, going... Going back to business as usual is not what we need to do. We need to, we need to learn how to integrate this technology with in-person periodically. Okay. Right. Uh, especially if, we, if we're not living Amen. there, if we're, you know, living in the U.S. like the two of us are now, and we need to make visits uh, to different places periodically. It shouldn't be about just being there because us being there does does in some ways disrupt some of the ministry. Because it does. the people on the ground have to think about us, too. So it, it, there is a disruption that we cause to some degree. Uh, not necessarily bad all the time, but uh, and sometimes it's necessary uh, for That's us right. to be there. But we can deal with issues a lot quicker if we're willing to embrace technology like Zoom or Zoom-like applications. Um, in fact, I was having a conversation with two of our guys. One of them was asking, hey, can you, can you guys train us in this um, subject matter. And I said, sure. So we're coming up with a plan where I'm just going to create a video on the subject, uh, train them and teach them so they mm. could just continually rewatch it. Oh, that's see, one that's things, perfect. So one of the things I've learned is specifically from this one guy who made the request is that, yeah, he could sit through and learn it and understand. But then if he doesn't have access to thinking about it, or he's, he's, I don't know if he's, you know, how well his note-taking skills are. I don't know any of that. But he really appreciates that when he does, when we do the training, that we have a video that he can reference back to and rewatch. Mm. And that's so, awesome. you know, that's technology we need to embrace. And there's ways to do it securely or more secure than just throwing it out there on the open web. And right. uh, to, to make it available uh, at any at any time. So... You know, that's one of the things we're trying to do here is to be able to do internal stuff uh, rather than say, okay, I've got to come to you in person, spend all this money uh, just because you definitely need training in this. Whereas now, okay, let's make a video. Let's uh, post it on this place. We're going to encrypt it and secure it and all that stuff. And you can access it uh, 24-7 anytime you need to and rewatch as, as many times as you want. So, yeah, like you said, technology is something we really need to embrace even more uh, than we have mm-hmm. in the past. That's right. And so, Steve, talking about resets, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, uh, I mean, I think part of the reason probably that some of these organizations have are just sort of pining for the day they can get back to the way right before COVID is that that's just how their whole organization is set up to do. That's just what and including that's how they raise the money to do what they do. Right. And so uh, in a lot of ways, it's we know that's a tried and true formula to be able to continue to keep the lights on with our ministry and continue to do what we do. And when I think, yeah, but a reset is needed, 
because I do think donors will still contribute towards like I hear your story about, you know, this video. And I think actually in some ways that's better because they can reference whenever they want. And then I think, oh, what if they had a whole catalog, videos? you know, and, uh, you know, so, you know, I think that's a that's a part of it, too. Um, I think there needs to be a reset too, Steve. And this is a kind of our, our third point, which is just a greater necessity collaboration. And so I do think that both from um, country leader to country leader and country churches to country churches around the world, there needs to be more collaboration. But then also mm-hmm. I think about from organization to organization have to be more collaboration. The story I always tell about this quickly is when I first started in ministry, I was on staff with the navigators doing campus ministry at Colorado State uh, University. And I always remember that, you know, the navigators, we kind of had our things we did. And then there was Campus Crusade was the other big organization that was on campus. And it was towards the end, you know, they were really good at the big event, you know, uh, evangelistic kind of campaigns. Mm. And we were always good at the small group kind of stuff. And, you know, it wasn't towards the end until the end, end of our time that we began to talk to each other and say, Hey, if we, if we kind of work together a little bit more, uh, um, you know, cause we were both very proud about our, what the navigators do and what crusade does and our own distinctives and all that. Right. So, but, uh, you know, and that really turned out great just that, you know, um, we did sort of a lot of joint events, and we were way more effective together um, for reaching these students than we could have been um, apart. And so, um, Steve, give us your thoughts about that. I mean, it seems like within missions post-COVID, collaboration is just going to become more and more important, isn't it? Collaboration has always been a topic of discussion, especially at conferences. Uh, but I have found that uh, rarely executed well, that's right. I would, I would agree. Um, there's, there's always cases and I can point to some where they were executed uh, tremendously. Um, but I, I don't find that's the norm. Uh, in fact, there's, you know, there's even talk in conferences of we need to collaborate better and people, and I've, I've experienced this where I've raised my hand and said, yes, I want to help with that. And then no one ever contacts me. Uh, oh, <laughs> even when I reach out to say, Hey, I raised my hand, uh, still nothing. Um, nothing comes of it. And you just have to ask yourself, well, why were you even asking for help um, and collaboration if you're not willing to uh, embrace those who are offering to come alongside you? That's right. So, yeah, you know, collaboration is always something uh, that is a need. And, you know, I I have experienced competition on the field, (laughs) for lack of a better term, and I, that's definitely not healthy. I've seen some great collaborations out there. Uh, and I see places where people are just walking over each other, not talking to one another. Um, and and you, you, I, there's times I've walked away thinking, well, why aren't we working together? Right. And, and, but, you know, I've had people straight up say, I mean, we're not interested. You know, okay. We want to do it ourselves. We're, we're going to do it alone. <laughs> Uh, we oh, know, right. I've had someone say, we know what we're doing when they're sending a brand new team into the field and you're like, well, actually there's no experience in the team yet. Um, right. but the statement was, we know what we're doing. I was like, all right, you know, on. <laughs> and, um, 
So, yeah, but I do think, but even in respect to what we're talking about and in light of what we've already talked about with nationals, I think there needs to be a greater emphasis on collaboration with nationals mm. um, and a submission to nationals. I'll even throw that in our mm. notes, but I would throw that out as we need to be willing have... to submit to the leadership of nationals. Um, if it's mm. their field, um, mm. we have to walk in and start Definitely. dictating the rules ever. That's, and if they don't no, like something right. we're I trying mean, we're... to propose, we don't do it. Or we go find another way yeah. to do it. I mean, we're the outsiders in this situation, right? So, 100%. Uh, we did, yeah, we did not grow up there. We did not know much of what's happening on the ground. So that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was at a conference where we were talking about, I won't say what the subject matter was, but it was a methodology and they were really pushing the methodology to the attendees, which that was the purpose of the conference. So everybody knew, but I went to a national who was serving in his country. And I said, so what do you think about this? And he said, I don't like it. And I said, you don't like the method. You don't like, like, what is it about that you don't like? And he said, right. I keep asking these foreigners to take me to these places in my country that they're claiming this is happening and everyone refused me. Why should I accept it? Right. He's like, that is a great point. You know, if, if they're claiming that this is X um, event is happening in your country, leading people to Christ, and they're wanting you to do what they claim is the best way to do, but they're unwilling to take you along and show you and let you talk to the, right. you know, your fellow nationals on the ground, you know, their experience. Yeah, I don't blame you one bit. Just toss it and move on. But, <laughs> but you know, that's kind of the mindset of outsiders coming in sometimes dictating the rules when in reality this guy is intelligent he's experienced um we should be listening to him to be honest because in his context he knows far better than we do that's right steve i keep trying to remember and i can't remember the whole quote but uh, i remember our listening to you on a uh uh podcast you were interviewed um recently about uh your book um, and there was something about, you know, that these nationals are, uh, they're not, uh, they're not something, but or something, wasn't there a, a quote? I just think, you know, there's, uh, something to be said about, you know, these nationals are, you know, human pe people who, who have a lot of experience in our air, in their area. And these are not pe stupid people. I mean, they were called into ministry, just like we were, and you know, to to let them take the lead in these places is just makes absolute sense. I mean, we can come in and provide some resources and some help, but I mean, these are not uneducated, un, unaware people, right? Oh, I let me tell you a quick a colleague or an example. I have a colleague. He is technically not a national where he's serving. He would be considered a near national where he lives. Okay. But he's he's he lives in a place where he doesn't have access to a lot of training, really any training at all. And being able to afford to go to certain, you know, schools, he just doesn't have the resources for it uh, to do it. Never has. And this was this was before I met him. So before I met him. Because he didn't have the resources to do what, uh, you know, most, most church planters get the privilege of doing in the U.S., he learned how to plant churches from YouTube. I guess when they say you can learn anything on YouTube, you, 
you, I guess you really can. So you really, <laughs> he, he planted 10 churches in wow. two countries. Wow. Based off learning from YouTube videos, um, on church planting. Wow. Uh, since then he's, he's planted a few more, but he's in his twenties. And before I met him, 10 churches solely based off what he, you can't do that. If you're an idiot. That's you right. You have to have a level of intelligence to be able to comprehend what you're learning from a foreigner through a YouTube video in a language that is not your your native tongue and to be able to take that information and apply it to your field, 10 churches, develop awesome. leaders, which he's, you know, we're working with him on that and he acknowledges more training is needed for his leaders, but he's done a lot completely on his own before before other people became alongside him. So, yeah, right. And those are the kind of yeah. people. Intuitive. Yeah. Right. Um, those are the kind of people that you want to be involved with, right? <laughs> I hear that story and I'm like, oh, that's a, that sounds exciting. That's awesome. So, and you know, and just because um, he works for us with SRC as one of our workers, uh, when I've said, hey, do you mind if I come visit? His response was, no, you can't. And here's why. And I said, you're the boss. You say I can't come for those reasons. I fully right. respect that. We'll just just when I come that's to awesome. your country, we'll meet in this city. And he's like, "That's fine. We can do that." But you can't come here for uh, a number of reasons. It really had to do with um, just the the negative have on him and his leaders uh, if someone like myself came in to to their village. Oh, oh, right. That's right. And see, some uh, organizations may get offended by that, right? What, oh, what do you I, mean? I, I can't had a come? conversation with a pastor who was offended by someone who did that to him, and he forced him to let him come in. It was just a terrible, terrible conversation. Oh, see, yeah, that's bad. Well, Steve, so our fourth sort of challenge uh, for you know missions post COVID is one that um, we've already kind of touched upon, but of course, you know this. Um, I just wanted to bring out this point, which is that you know for those of us who do feel called continually to to go. Um, we're just going to need to have greater flexibility uh, due to the changing COVID protocols in different countries. And as you were and I were just talking about before we started, country by country, it's going to change. I mean, literally, it could change like while you're in the air on the way to that place almost, you know, because, you know, co cases begin to spike. And that was the day that they go, okay, they've, they, they've spiked too much. We're going to close this thing down or we're going to severely restrict or, you know, and so, yeah, um, we're just going to have to have uh, greater fle flexibility due to these changing standards, aren't we? Yeah. And it's funny you put that in because I just had a conversation about this a few weeks ago with a missionary mobilizer in Southeast Asia. He's a, he's from that region. And okay. he, he asked me the question, you know, with all these restrictions, what kind of people do we need to be mobilizing? So we were having that conversation and it really just boiled down to, we need extremely flexible people. We need people who can leave at a moment's That's notice, right. uh, even if it's a short-term trip. Right. Uh, we need people who are willing to be able to adjust dates. Okay, this country, they closed the door, so we're gonna hold off for three months, or we're going to adjust to this country. I think it really just demands more flexibility than we're most than we're used to. And right. And if we're unwilling to do that, you just stay away. <laughs> I mean, 
Don't that's don't, right. Don't go on a mission trip. Don't go to the mission field if you can't be flexible and just just take take whatever comes at you with these protocols. Honestly, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> you are just able to stay home because it's it's just going to do too much, um, and you'll end up complaining, and it's just not worth it in the end. Yeah, that's right. And so you know, it's interesting because you know pre-COVID. People like you and I and many others were sort of wondering about the overall effectiveness of short-term teams, right? And uh, is it more problems? So I've had a lot of nationals tell me that, you know, in some cases that it's more of a problem for them, more of an mm-hmm. issue just because they're, they've got these 10 people now in their city and they're trying to figure out, okay, where, how are we going to feed them and how are we going <laughs> to, you know, and uh, versus the overall benefit to uh, to what the team was there to do. Now, again, short-term teams have done a lot of good stuff too, right? But uh, in some ways, COVID's just kind of taking care of that in some ways because, yeah, by what you've said, I mean, I would, and I, which I would totally agree with, um, you know, the short-term teams generally were, okay, October 1st to the 10th, we're going to this place and, you know, we've got an itinerary and here's where we're going to be and, you know, so then again, guys and people are, you know, the participants are taking time off of work potentially to mm-hmm. be there. And, you know, they really feel like, you know, that that potentially is just not going to work in the same way because, yeah, you may get to two days before your trip and the country is closed and mm. you've already came off. And, you know, so. That's just going to really that's going to really change, I think, a lot of these short term teams for sure. And even for those that are, you know, uh, feeling God calling them to live in a certain place, which, again, there's still a lot of value on that as long as you're absolutely, you know, doing as a lot of what we've talked about. Right. To kind of taking the letting the nationals take the lead. And um, again, they're the ones that are already have been there and grew up there and everything. So, uh, you know, that's going to change that a lot too. So Steve, as we, um, as we close, I've got a few opportunities for us sort of going forward as it relates to missions post COVID. Uh, of course, you know, in some ways, um, I think we've kind of already, you know, those of us that are called to go overseas and have lived there or, for those that are our viewers who are praying about it, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways we've just kind of been through um, the a mini version of the culture shock that we go through, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And now there's a big culture shock that happens when we, you know, when we move overseas. But I remember, you know, the first time in uh, March of 2020 when I went to my local Walmart and I couldn't buy toilet paper and uh, the chips that we normally buy. Um, you know, we're not available and, you know, uh, you get a lot of that when you live overseas. Right. And so in some ways we've had kind of a mini version of that. So if you're feeling called to go overseas, it's like, well, you'll know a little better kind of what that feels like, won't they? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, when I moved abroad, I didn't have my chips and salsa like I was used <laughs> to, you know, and there's a lot of other things I That's didn't have right. access to, but, uh, yeah, you know, right. I thought about that till you till I read your notes the other day. Uh, but it's right, it's true. I mean, we've uh, the toilet paper, the paper products, the food last year, uh, food prices going up this year, certain things missing on the shelves. Um, You're right. You know, there's yeah, you are absolutely right. It's it was 
an unintentional preparation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Kind of a mini version of culture shock because absolutely. Uh, and it was sort of weird how um, last year just certain things would then all of a sudden just not be available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things that have just, you know, you think about a big company like Walmart or some of our grocery chain stores, you think they could kind of keep their distribution network going. But literally, it was probably the factory where they made this stuff had a COVID outbreak. And so they had to, you know, shut down for two weeks or whatever it was. And so have a little bit about what you get when you do live overseas. And so um, and so there is some unintentional, as you mentioned, maybe some preparation for those viewers who are praying about, you know, (laughs) serving in an overseas capacity. Uh, The second one, of course, is that I do think we could use this COVID time to create a greater trust in God, right? Living through the unknown helps us uh, trust him more. Mm. And I know for people like you and I, of course, we've had to trust God in different ways because we just can't do things in the way that we've done them. Mm. Uh, You know, my story I've been telling people is that, you know, about February of 2020, Man, our ministry was just kind of cranked up to just, you know, um, have a lot of really cool opportunities and including, you know, um, participating in some conferences, uh, missions conferences uh, here in the States and doing some things overseas. And just all of that, just, you know, having all of that shut down. Uh, Of course, I had a decision to make. I could have been angry at God, right? Or go, okay, God you clearly, none none of this has caught you off guard. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to trust you in a deeper way. And so in COVID season, we've probably Americans and maybe even all everyone around the world has had plans that have been, you know, disrupted and our lives have not gone in the way that we've wanted them to go. And so for those of us that are are Christians, it has sort of, I, I would just say, lean into that, um, uh, frustration and, uh, towards a greater trust in, you know, what God is actually doing. Would you, Mm. would you agree with that, Steve? No, it's a, it's a great point. You know, here in America, at least as it, you know, relates to short-term mission trips or just traveling in general internationally, you know, we've had the, we've had the privilege for many years, just being American to be able to hop on a plane almost anytime we want, as long as we have money and time. Uh, to go almost anywhere we want to go. Um, right. Some places, yeah, you've got to prepare a little bit in advance. You have visas, but, you know, there's a lot of places we mm-hmm. could go where we don't need them. Um, That's right. All over the world. So, and, yeah, and so all that's changed. And and so there is a increased level of faith steps we have to take now. Um, and, and we just have to embrace it. I mean, uh, walking by that's faith right. is just something God wants us to do in general. Yeah, that's right. And so, and, you know, especially I think about those who uh, maybe who have been making plans towards missions, uh, a missionary opportunity or long-term opportunity specifically overseas. And I would just say, you know, if God has called you to anything, right, I mean, he's going to make a way for, for, for you to do it. Or, you know, if God has called you to it, the timing is just going to be different than mm. what you thought. And, mm. and you know, there's a reason for that. And a lot of times we don't like to hear that. It's kind of like we like to make, be the ones to make the banking the plans on our timetable. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, 
you know, God's going to work it out. And so that kind of goes to the final word, Steve, Mm -hmm. of course, which is that, you know, a lot of things may have been canceled during COVID, but, you know, we know that the Great Commission hasn't been, right? And so there is still this command for us to go and make disciples, uh, teaching and baptizing them. um, And, uh, you know, that has not been canceled. And so we can continue to trust that God will want to use those of us who uh, he has, you know, he has called to himself uh, to 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 fulfill the Great Commission. Amen. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter what COVID protocols are in place. All those protocols are not preventing us from making disciples. That's right. Prevent us in how we approach it, maybe from a logistical standpoint, but uh, it's not stopping us from making disciples. That's right. And so it's interesting, Steve, to, to think about that, right? Because actually, uh, one of the things I've said a lot over the last few years is that, um, you know, more and more missionary sending agencies are asking their, the candidates, uh, well, what are you doing locally to mm. reach people for Christ? Right. There's nothing about a, a plane trip that's going to yep. make you effective. <laughs> and now that the plane trips are a lot harder to do, it's like, well, just dig, you know, maybe this is God's call for all of us, really, to just dig harder into mm-hmm. our local area. And, uh, I mean, even the episode of uh, Missions Talk that we did from last time about refugees, maybe that just means we we, we pour back into them or mm-hmm. pour back into international students. Or it's like we can't go many places, but, you know, we all live in cities. Those cities have people that need Jesus. And, yep. uh, you know, just be good at reaching those people right where you're at. So, so Steve, as we end, any final words from you? I would just encourage everyone to uh, be flexible, Mm. uh, persevere, keep moving forward, uh, making disciples, all those things don't stop. Uh, Don't let protocols discourage you or uh, philosophical beliefs about protocols to hinder your obedience to where God you, because, you know, that's, it's a potential uh, could potentially happen, uh, for some, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, you know, God knows all these things and anything we have to do, uh, to take the gospel abroad or, uh, where God's leading us, there's always inherent risk in that, uh, today is no different. And so just embrace it and, um, just trust that he's going to watch over you and whatever, just trust that it's, you know, he's got, he's got whatever the end result is in his hand and that's right the timing of that and is that regardless of the the outcome oh wow that's really great steve that's perfect that's a perfect way to end um because you're right uh you know we may have had plans maybe we have plans in the future uh really the one had over over oversees all of that right so mm-hmm. uh and so just trusting him in that i think is good so well, that's a good word thank you all for joining us i really hope this uh, episode has been helpful uh, to you. Hmm. And, uh, of course, feel free episode if you did feel like it was helpful. And, um, you know, we are always soliciting, uh, show ideas. And so I would just say, if you have a show idea for us, you can find us at, uh, missions talk, I'm sorry, at, uh, facebook.com forward slash missions talk and, uh, give us your show ideas. We'd love to know what you want to have us talk about. Um, and uh, we're just so thankful that you've joined us uh, for this episode, and uh, we'll look forward to having you with us on the uh, next episode of Missions Talk. 
To find out more about Missions Talk or to watch previous episodes, please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk. It is on our Facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes. To find out more about my organization, 18 Catalyst, please go to 18catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to silkroadcatalyst.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.